Why? 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 <laughs> oh, that's you should have seen the other thing. one he said earlier on. It was even weirder. Hello and welcome. I'm Steve. And I'm Al. And I'm Brett. And this is Fools with Tools, a podcast for the experimental engraver. I did remember it. Fuck you both. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Jump back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, everyone, what have we been up to? Al, what have you been up to? Um, I was, I was thinking about this question. Uh, and <laughs> Sorry, I'm just making Brett so <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> Oh God! Ugh. Al can't. Al is not allowed to send photos right before we start. <laughs> Jesus! If you could only see, Al can post those on Patreon. Yes, yeah. pa- Patreon only. All right, Al, what have you been working on? Come on, let's tighten it up. Tighten it up, boys. Game face. Uh, yeah, I was. I was thinking about this question uh, today, and basically, we record on Sunday. And then I'm at work all week, and then it's Sunday again. I'm recording, so basically, it's what did you manage to do on Saturday? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> basically. So this Saturday, um, I um, last week I started talking about the uh, charity window that we're going to do at work. Yep. So the past couple of years, we've done a, a pop up shop where the designers have all kind of made stuff, um, and we've sold it, and, and the proceeds go to a charity. This year, we thought it was um, we'd maybe do something a little bit less material um and so it's less about buying things and giving things um and we just wanted to make a really creative window that would raise some money so the charity this year is for um a company we work we work with who produce robotic limbs for people with limb differences so whether that's people that have uh, either been either born limb different or or suffered an amputation or something later on in life yeah um and the charity where they were actually doing is has been set up by them and it's for kids born limb different so kids that are born oh, wow. with, yeah. with, with, with something um because it's slightly different if you're if you're born limb different than if you something happens to you later in life because it's not about retraining things or, or kind yeah. of um, you know remapping neuro, the neural kind of network and stuff like that it's it's more about just want to be able to do normal things so a kid yeah. growing up it's quite right. hard um there's also challenges with like giving kids under a certain age prosthetic because it can make them develop and grow slightly differently so if you imagine like having a huge kind of massive shoulder because you just ripped because you think <laughs> you're having to overcompensate and stuff so there's lots of challenges yeah. um company we work for um we did all their branding and stuff it was a fantastic project really nice guys um and they've set up a foundation to do exactly that that's awesome so what we are doing wow. long story short um we're going to do like a christmas story which uh one of the writers at work has written uh, and it's just like a, a kind of our take on the christmas like a, a christmas tale that's not about kind of getting things and giving gifts but more about kind of helping each other and, and being there for one another but it's done in a really nice cute way um and it, we thought we could bring it to life with like a almost like a puppet kind of uh display in the window so think like home alone um <laughs> but like silhouettes cut out kind of uh some really nice lighting and things like that so yeah. this week um been mapping it all out kind of blowing it up and going from a tiny little scale model and scale illustrations to this big full life-size window display um and then t- just yesterday i've just kind of mocked up like the stand because it's it's going to be modular and i've got to work out how to kind of build this sort of two-dimensional 
silhouette puppet thing. So I've, there's six windows, and each window is going to have its own little display in. So I've, I've, I've kind of designed the, the framework for that. It's all going to slot into like a wooden frame and have curtains behind it and be like a real set. So I'm kind of, kind of yeah. doing a bit of set design, something I've never done before, um, standard, <laughs> uh, but just, just go for it. So did that. And then the guys, I'll probably do a proper plug later, uh, but the guys over at Nakers International um, approached me to do uh, a T-shirt design for them, and it's for a really good cause, as is u- as usual. Um, and, yeah, it's it's, it's fantastic. Um, I, I will not spoil it by giving it away, but if you go over to makersinternational.com, which is their website, not makerscentral.co.uk, um, and there will be details on their latest T-shirt campaign. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. Very excited yeah. about that. I'll, I'll give a few more details later on. So yeah, I've been designing big window puppet cutout wooden frame displays and making stupid t-shirts. Awesome! That sounds like a really productive one day off that you. It had. was. It was good. <laughs> it was a lot of coffee. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. so, and I made pie, I made pies as well. Oh, you did make pies and chicken skins as well. Did you make meat pies or regular? I made pies. meat. Pies, chickeny pies. Yeah, me chicken. But um, yeah, there no, is no I in team, <laughs> <laughs> but there is an I in chicken. Yes. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's really good to hear that you've had uh, such a good weekend, man. Uh, Brett, what have you been up to? I have been working at the shop, trying to clean up and organize, and then um, start working on. The next build project, which is small but experimental, and um, trying to utilize scrap and kind of the leftover pieces, and and show a little bit more of an approach on like, all right, we make things and we have to ship things out, and we have to make boxes or compartments and holders for things, um, instead of just chucking it in a cardboard box. How how can you do that using the the leftovers from the other jobs um, and, and try to make them look nice or, you know, fit an aesthetic. So it's nothing too complicated, but I'm definitely uh, as simple as something like a box goes, you know, traditional woodworkers can make six sided piece of wood, make, make it look beautiful. What? That was a horrible sentence. I like good worker, good <laughs> woodworkers, good wood make, talented good woodworkers. <laughs> Good make nice with wood things. Um, I'm trying to challenge myself a little bit to, to, you know, step my game up in terms of when you're dealing with packaging and branding and when you're shipping stuff out, how, how can you make the presentation look as good as the piece inside? So you, I think, I think a lot of set, like set the benchmark already with your, with your wax seals and stuff. I think yeah, it's kind of like, it's beautiful and it's fantastic, but it's like, yep. You can't you can't just put it in any old chipping envelope. <laughs> yeah, I don't like it. Well, look, not to go off on a tangent before we start talking about what Steve's been up to, because I am excited to hear him talk about what he's been doing. But just as a little aside, um, it's something I learned through university and something that carried through a handful of different jobs because I always worked for other clients, right? Like we every other job I had in the past was client work. Uh, outside of our office, you know, similar to what you do, Al. And, you know, it's just as important, like giving a person a sheet of handwritten paper that says, here's what we're going to do for your brand. And it's just a bunch of scribbled notes. Like no one is the perceived value of it, right? Like you don't want to hand them a sheet of 
paper with handwritten notes on it. You want to give them a nice branded printout, something that looks professional so that the that first impression is I take this seriously and I care about everything that I do in this process, right? So something as small as a shipping box, I still like to think out a little bit of a process to make it a little bit better, you know, so that it's not like, hey, thanks for buying the object or thanks for doing the commission and and paying me for some work. It's like, I'm also going to try and make sure that you enjoy just receiving the package. What's in the box? But the box is important. What's in the box? John (laughs) Doe's got the upper hand. So, yeah, anyway, I'm working on boxes. I'm also making um, forged jewelry things. This is a little insider info for the Fool's listeners. But I've started work based on the cat's claw crazy whip thing that I made for Rory's challenge. Um, Turns out I, I may have come up with a neat little forged jewelry set of ideas. Nice. Um, and I actually really enjoy making them. So I'm going to plan on producing a bunch of those when I get some time and it's not 10 degrees outside because forging in that weather sucks. But yeah. Steve, what have you been up to? I've talked too much. Uh, no, um, I have my hand up because I want to ask you a question. Um, what oh. size are those? Because I've seen like, I think I've seen some photos of them, but what actually size are those little things? Um, I will, because I'm in the shop, I will... Are you, you going to do a loot? What does that mean? Just going off camera and showing things and... Well, yeah, because no one that's listening to us would know any better. So the yeah. big ones, uh, the larger ones, because I'm going to make a couple different sizes. Yeah. Or maybe, you know, an inch or two. Probably two, two to three yeah. inches. But um, then I'll make some smaller versions and some brass versions and some raw versions. And then I've also got access to some wrought iron. Nice. That those are a little bit more Roll tea. Very roll tea. <laughs> I am I am going to throw those into some etching solution and let them get all textury and grainy yeah. because I think that will look very, very tasty. But I'm experimenting on the wrought iron ones because if they etch and then I can brass them, I think it might end up with a really kooky looking effect. Yeah, so a yeah. little bit of experimentation. Um, lots of lots of fun little things that I'm working on right now, yeah. keeping me busy in between you know, helping Jim with the barn and whatnot. Yeah. I like those the, claws, uh, those claws are far away, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good joke. Uh, I, lo- I love the fact that there was two lots of foreshadowing there. One for the topic and one for my potential video. If I, if I do it in the way that we discussed. Um, yeah. What have I been up to? I have been up to lots. I've had a, a week off. Woo-hoo! I had a list as long as... <laughs> Mandatory yeah. week off. Yeah. Yeah, I was forced to have time off by work because apparently I haven't had enough off. Enough off. Um, and I had a list as long as my arm of stuff that I needed to get done. And did you measure I, from the base? I did measure from the base. <laughs> Call back! <laughs> hey uh, And yeah, I... Um, I didn't do half the things that I thought I'd done and I was feeling really, really bad about it until just now when I started trying to figure out what I'd actually done this week because I didn't want to do my normal thing of getting to me and going, I don't know what I've done this week. Uh, so I thought I'd actually... Uh, well, now you're just talking over the thinking part. So instead of saying it, you're really just covering it up with words. So I'm building up to it. I've got a list written out. 
Well, I was oh, gonna I'm on say... the edge of my seat, Steve. I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> what I was going to say is, uh, looking back at it and actually putting it on, down on paper, I've actually achieved quite a bit this week. Um, so we've had no floor in our living room or curtains in our living room for like the last six months. And we finally got the floor down and I've uh, I've made a curtain rail hanger thing. Um, so we knocked out a couple of them and got that actually up and curtains hanging in the house, which is sounds small, but fuck, that makes a difference, especially in this weather. Um, That's what she said. <laughs> oh. Uh I also sorry, you're uh, not allowed. That's what she, she said. Jokes. No, 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 no. Uh, I also quickly knocked up. Has, has Brett just gone off camera again? Gone off. That's what she said. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> fuck's sake. Uh, anyway, um, I also knocked up a quick leather cutting or a couple of quick leather cutting tools for oh, jazz. Um, so just like real simple chisel sort of shape things um, for cutting just, or for like impression. Uh, for actually cutting so what it was is she needed to do some like belt slots um and rather than just cutting a slit uh you do a like punch a hole at the end and punch a hole at the other end yeah and cut an actual like an oblong shape so out you can kind of get, kind of get like dies can't you like rounded yeah yeah exactly yeah. um and apparently the reason for that is if you just put a slit in then it runs the risk of um of tearing more yeah. What is he doing? I'm just I'm just going to mute Brett, everyone that's listening, just because he's being a fucking noisy. There we go. He's muted. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, if you, yeah, if, if you just cut it, then it's got the potential to tear more, and you end up with a big hole as opposed to a nice yeah. um, slot. Uh, so yeah, I, I just knocked up a couple of chisels that had um, oh. The, chisels so that she could get that nice clean even cut that wasn't going to be wavy or wobbly or anything like that nice. uh, so yeah did that um i also went over to um the workshop on friday because uh joe was having a like a day off just a play day um so mm-hmm. i went over there and had a play day with him uh basically just so i could use the power hammer for 20 minutes and made a giant ice pick that stands about nipple high um which there will hopefully be a video out for uh hopefully before this goes out but i don't know because it depends on what happens in the next couple of days uh i also made some little scribes um like just a little forged scribey thing so you can uh pointy thing yeah basically yeah pointy thing um with a little twist on and put that on instagram as an instagram auction and it went for way more than I was expecting. <laughs> and it went to Izzy Swan, of all people, which I was kind of a bit blown away by. Um, so, yeah, he's got that. Uh, I also knocked up a couple of um, Patreon rewards. Uh, so I got my touch stamp through, um, which was really exciting. So, so I was going around just stamping everything with my with my touch mark. Um so j- now that Brett's back, I'm just going to let him know that we've muted him because he was making loads of noise. Hi, Brett. Uh, yeah, so I've been going around just stamping everything with my touch stamp. Um, <laughs> that's mine, and this is mine, and these are mine, and that's mine, <laughs> and this. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I did that, and then um, I also knocked up a couple of um, like four items. I know, right? <laughs> it's, it's what I do. I, I, I knock things. Nice. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, because uh, uh, one of the Patreon tiers is uh, you get like a, a forged item. Um, so I've had to do a couple of them as well, which have been sent off. And I really want to share them because one of them looks fucking awesome and is absolutely perfect for the guy that's going to. But I can't share it because he follows me on all of my social medias and will see it. So I've got to wait well, until he's got it and then I can do it. Shucks. Uh, and then the other thing that I did is my favorite winter shirt is uh, was missing some buttons and I didn't have any spare buttons. So I I played around a little bit and I made some out of metal. Yeah, of course you did. Hey, I, look at you. I did and four buttons. Shirt out of metal and your jeans out of metal. Yeah. <laughs> and then I could have like a whole suit of armor. It'd be great. Um, but yeah, so that was it. I, I, there was a lot of um, playing around and experimenting this week. Um, which is really, really good. It's been really nice to have kind of that time and space to, and like even just the mental space to be able to go, actually, I'm going to play around. I'm going to do this rather than having to go, oh shit, I need to get this done. I need to get that done. I need to get that done. Just being able to just experiment and play. And, oh, that echoes back. Uh, And yeah, so that was it. That's what I've been up to. That's a lot. That is a lot. That is a lot. You did. You did have a productive week. Thank you. We've all had productive times. <laughs> I wasn't the same week because you haven't had a week. You've had a day and a half. Uh, I'll say it's a day. Yeah. <laughs> Bless him. Um, Bless him. So yeah, are there, like, is there anything you guys wanted to talk about specifically with regards to experimenting, or are we just going to riff on it for a bit? That's the usual. <laughs> That was great segues. <laughs> you segued perfect. You were like, oh, I was experimenting and playing around. And you're like, great. Here's the segue. So do you guys want to like talk about the topic? Uh, or I, I like Buddy Holly. Also, that's what you sound like. Your voice sounds like that. <laughs> so do you well, want to talk about things? Uh, yeah. I realized All right, that I so we're going to talk, talk about experiments. Neither of you picked it up. So I was just like, oh, okay, I'll give you a chance to fucking say something else. Nah, you're terrible. So we've been talking about... <laughs> Uh, the topic is experimenting, experimentation, and I like so, it when Brett says, "Sounds like he's saying spearmint." <laughs> I was experiment. I am chewing experiment gum. Experiment eggs. <laughs> so when it comes to experimenting, I'll I'll take the first jab at this. But um, Steve, we had a lot of talks early on when I was trying to make the fish hooks. Yes. Um, and I was doing some of the forge process and I I messaged you about it because I had never done um like a production run or or multiples of a single forged object where like I definitely didn't know enough about the process. I wasn't I wasn't measuring anything. I was definitely just winging it and when I came up with one that I liked after 50 trials of things going incorrectly or the the shapes coming out wrong um, I finally did two or three in a row that looked good. I was happy with them, but it was a lot of experimentation to get up to that point. And then what really set it off was you talking me through what it means to do a production run of those things. And just for context for anybody that's listening, there were three or four things that had to be done in a very specific order, or I wouldn't have been able to achieve the final goal or form that I was going for. So Steve actually helped me work through that because we played a little bit uh, out at Maker Central when we were all at the Forge and you said, oh, why don't you do this first 
because then you won't do the other six processes that if they go correctly and you screw up on the last part, you wouldn't have ruined your piece, which is what I was doing the first time around. (laughs) So when it comes to experimentation, like I love playing and making mistakes because I, I learn a lot from the mistakes. Um, But when it comes to experimenting on a, like a quote unquote final piece where like, I think a lot of us have the approach that if we have the opportunity to build something or if we got a commission like Steve, the knife board, you know, or Al, you set yourself up for the t-shirt cannon a long time ago. You knew you were going to make one, but clearly there was a lot of experimentation going on whilst you were working on the pneumatics and, and all of the, the parts for that. Um, is experimenting on a, is it something that should be done before you hit a final or, or like, should we set ourselves up for that? Or is it the kind of thing that, it's kind of fun to experiment while you're while you have the pressure, you know, to call back to last week. It's like when the pressure's on, is that a good time to experiment or Al, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, not to, not to get morbid. Like if you, you think of like, you know, the great wars that have happened in the past, you know, a few centuries, well, even millennia, like the pressure that comes on in, in those situations comes to like amazing um, invention uh, and that's through experiment because you need to do things. You need to come up with a new way to, well, kill people. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it it can be a new way to fly or a new way to 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 hide underwater or you know or, or a new a new way to, to to deliver things up by by rail or a new way to kind of set fire to things, new chemicals. Yeah. Um, and that's when kind of you know chemistry and physics has come and come in leaps and bounds. And it's really sad to to that that's what the world comes to but um you're absolutely right brett that pressure can can really kind of um be a catalyst pun intended um for for for, for experimentation um outside of that you know things still get experimented every day you know there's people who dedicate their lives to to experiments i'm i'm a scientist you know we've had berkey on the show he's a scientist um i don't work in that field anymore i, I you know I, I kind of left engineering um as a child but it was something that I'd always, always done growing up. It was something that yeah. like, it made me understand things. Like I can't be, t- I can't be told something because, you know, I can't, I can't just assume things. I can't just be indoctrinated without the proof. Yeah. So an experiment is the perfect way to prove something. So, so, you know, whether it's putting sodium in water and just, you know, it being the best lesson ever, or, <laughs> you know, finding out what happens when you put, certain ingredients together in an oven you know it's they're all experiments yeah um colors mixing colors i remember the first time i mixed two colors together as a kid i was like fuck like (laughs) you know like but they were two totally different colors a minute ago what is this you know wizardry um burn him (laughs) but like burn him burn him um yeah these are experiment is is you know is my life um Whether I imagine or not- cooking, I imagine cooking had a hell of a lot of experimentation with ingredients and things. Absolutely. I mean, uh, it, you know, if if it wasn't for experimenting in cooking, we'd all be be in like vol in aspic jelly and like poached mayonnaise and stuff like they were doing. Fucking <laughs> yeah, no, nothing would change. Um, yeah. You look at some of the sort of top chefs now. You know, your Heston Blumenthal's and and, and people who just there's a guy in Leeds called the Man Behind the Curtain. I think. Um, oh yeah, yeah. He's, he's got michelin stars and, and the, the food's great um 
but it's mental, it's nuts, and he's just trying new things all the time. He was unhappy with the status quo. It's same in you know, same in any art uh, the art fields. It's the music, it's rock and roll. You know, I don't want to be doing this crap anymore. I don't want to listen to country music. It's like this is. I'm going to try something new. I'm going to I'm going to wire up my guitar with this feedback loop and these magnets and see what <laughs> happens. And it turns out it's fucking amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, creativity and, and experimentation go hand in hand. Absolutely. Yeah, because I mean, I, I think it's to kind of loop back to what um, to what Brett was saying earlier on about um, the experiment experimentation within the confines of a uh, production shop and with pressure and all that. One of the things that we find is we'll we'll spend a couple months a year um normally like january february when things are a bit quieter and we'll work on um the the products that we're going to produce the next year but we'll do that all through the year it's just the fact that those two months we kind of we say all right well we're not really going to need to do any production work now we can experiment a bit more but then every so often we'll we'll take an afternoon or a day and just say actually you know what this is just going to be a play day. We're just going to dick around and we're going to have fun. Um, and we'll do that. And, and those, those like random days, they don't tend to be uh, predict, particularly productive in terms of the things that we um, produce that then, then get sold. But yeah, you know, we can, we can play around with different techniques and things like that. So we can go, Oh, actually, well, if I apply this technique to how we produce that item, then it means that it, it's actually quicker. Um but what we also do is the like we, I, I've talked about it before. Bath Christmas markets for us is a huge um, uh, like source of income for us, um, and it's it's our biggest seller of the or biggest market of the year. Um, so the the weeks leading up to that, normally we are absolutely rammed, just full on production mode. But we'll also find that Alex every now and then will be like actually i've been thinking about it all year and i want to come up with another thing to sell mm-hmm. so we'll have to do like experiments and things like that on the fly whilst producing other things so it's literally having too many irons in the fire sort of thing um to come up with new products and things to 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 sell on um so what we tend to find is like that uh those couple months where we um spend just playing around and and experimenting we uh we 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 tend to improve our skills a lot more and we tend to come up with like one or two bigger concepts as it were um but it's it's the the real high pressure of right we've got this general idea we need to refine it and we need to get that sorted so that we can start producing it so that we can sell it at the markets this year like so that again like that that pressure to you've got a reason behind that experiment and that 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 play around um kind of drives the uh the impetus to to actually produce it because i I don't know about you guys but i find if i'm experimenting if i'm just playing around i've got like 40 different um projects where i've just kind of started something because i've got an idea and then gone oh actually i'm gonna do that as well and i'm gonna do that and i end up with a shitload of experiments that never get finished You just have stuff sitting around half or a quarter completed. Yeah. That sounds really familiar. But is, is, isn't the nature of an experiment that it's not to be finished? Yeah, you that's I mean? that's kind of what I was getting at, though. Like, Do you find that experimentation happens with you uh, within a project that is to be finished? Like, like Steve's knife board, right? That had to go to a client. It had to be completed. 
yeah how much experimentation was in that versus steve's thing that he just you know put up for auction your little scribe like it's not that you've never done that process or a lot of the processes within that piece it's not like you haven't done those before but clearly it was an experimentation and not only making that object but you know putting it up on instagram for an auction like clearly first times as first times go did you have that i'm going to experiment with something with the idea that if it comes out well i will put it up for sale did you have that in your head? I mean, I, it, it, well, that kind of came from um, uh, to to give the whole story. Basically, I'd never done uh, the the Rubik's tw- twist or the the cube twist that was that was on it. Um, so I I did that during a, a class um, just to show some of the students. We were talking about the different types of twists you can do. I'd mentioned this one and was like, actually, I've never done it. I'm just going to quickly because they were. A really good class and, and didn't need babysitting i was like i'm just gonna go give that a try and i tried it i put a point on the end because it it then meant that i could use it to point at hot steel without burning my finger um and then showed that on instagram and got such a good like positive feedback i was like oh well maybe i can do something more with this and then like you said i kind of experimented with um using round stock instead of uh square stock to try and replicate the same effect but have it all look a bit nicer and smoother um and the idea was that i was going to batch out a load of them and sell a load off but as it turned out i only got the chance to make a couple of them um one of which was already um uh like promised to nate from simply or nate and uh and the other one i was like well i've seen loads of other people do the whole uh instagram auction thing like I'm going to give it a try. And so that, I think that was the biggest experiment, but it wasn't a, it wasn't ever a planned thing. It wasn't, I, yeah, I didn't okay. plan to put it up. Um, I planned to to sell a few of them, um, but for like a set price, but because, because I'd only produced one and because it was whilst I was doing other things and I didn't really have a good idea of how long it took. So it was very hard for me to put a price on it because the other thing, I, I genuinely have no idea what someone would want to pay for that. Um, <laughs> so, so it was like, oh fuck! I don't really want to put it up and, like, say, put it up for a fiver and have fifteen people jump on it straight away. And at the same time, I didn't want to put it up for fifty quid and not sell it because nobody's willing to pay it, sort of thing. So I was like, well, doing that that whole Instagram auction is kind of a good way of of gauging what people think it's worth. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I I like the idea that not to jump on you, but. Al, I want to hear your thoughts on on you know creating a dish for the restaurant or um, to show two sides of this thing. It's like Steve knew that he was going to make this product or this object, and you know based on his skills and everything, he came out with a really cool, unique piece. Yeah, the idea that he could then sell that is great, but at what price? You know, or how do you come up with like, oh, whatever that that became an experiment. The whole Instagram thing with you, you know, a lot of the chefs that I talked to in the past, it's like, how do you come up with the dish? Well, there's a lot of experimentation that goes into the dish, but then how do you look at it? Because you, you at the end of the day, as the chef, are going to have to look down at cost of ingredients you know how is this seasonal is this whatever and then what's actually the plated price of this thing what are people going to spend on it yeah i mean yeah without getting into the kind of 
again the morbid kind of um, idea of, of of money and 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 limitations in that respect but like right. um yeah just talking about war and 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 how things progress and how you find things in that because they're probably throwing shitloads of money at it doesn't matter how much it costs you know i want to fly a rocket an internet intercontinental ballistic right but yeah a, a meal in a restaurant still has to you know a main cost still has to be under 20 quid you yeah. know depending on where you are in the country so it's like you you could put all the fancy ingredients on here in the world but it ain't going to sell and you know it's going to be too much to produce and too risky and you can't prep for it um so all these kind of gimmicky world's most expensive burger and like gold foil and stuff that's not cooking that's just bullshit that's just clicking <laughs> um, uh, but i think it's i think stevie raised a really important point about dedicating that time to do that um it was something it was again it was something that i fucking loved in in the catering industry where you know Saturday morning, you're not doing a Saturday lunch because you're getting ready for the night. It's the one day a week where you've not got lunch in. So all Saturday morning, it's basically like experimenting time. Yeah. You know, try these two flavors together. I've got some of this left over. Um, what what if we, you know, spliced it with that or um, try cooking these slightly differently? Have you ever tried, you know, broiling that instead of instead of poaching that? Um, and I that was amazing to me because it was there wasn't the stress of service. So it wasn't the, it wasn't the the regular kind of need to get all this done quite formulaic, quite regimental. Um, it was just, it was creativity and, and, and finding new things out. And I loved it and it was super important and it was how everybody shone and you, you found out who the creative guys were and who the good chefs were, you know. It, you know, being a cook is not just about producing stuff. You're not a machine. Yeah. But, you know, from 7 a.m. till 11 o'clock at night, you are. So it's like, <laughs> well, at what point am I this creative person? Oh, you can cook. Oh, wow, you're a cook. Like, well, yeah, but most of what I do is just like slicing stuff up. So you need you need that time, and and if if that's what you guys get to do in in the spring, in the in the Smith in the, in the Forge, that's fucking brilliant. Yeah, but like some industries don't have that. Yeah, like my industry is just on the clock, all day, every day, on the clock. Client project, get it in, get it out, done. Next client project, like sausage factory. So nothing's going to advance. Yeah. You know, and the people going through college are in the same situation because it's just get them in, get the tuition fees, you know, one lecturer for a hundred students, get them out, boom, next three years, boom, you know, there's there's not any development going. And I and I see this because I work I work with colleges. Yeah. So th- there isn't any experimentation going. There isn't anybody doing anything new or different, you know, or exciting, you know, like in the eighties and, and and sort of the nineties in, in graphic design, that was when everything exciting happened because Clients had massive budgets, people had loads of time, people did a load of coke, and everything was just like, <laughs> let's take the fucking Concord to New York and we'll just, you know, yeah. go on some artistic expression for, for a week and then come back and then we'll do the fucking advert. Um, whereas now it just doesn't happen. There's not enough time. I mean, everybody talks yeah. about it. The, the the time constraints of our generation is just such a limit on, on things being developed. Um, you know, fortunately... More, I'm going on a rant. I love it. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, Moore's law has helped us in terms of um, the, the 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 power of computers and the, the the speed of computers and the cost of computers. You know, reduced exponentially since since the 50s. Um, well, since the dawn of the transistor. So that has helped us be creative because it takes less time to do things. You know, I don't have to go and cut out letters <laughs> to try to try a layout. Um, right. So there's a flip side to it as well. You know, as as we progress. It 
exponentially helps us be quicker at trying new things because the tools are there. You know, you train ask a, a caveman with a stone to to do some biological experiments, he's not going to be able to do it. So, you know, as as we get less time, you know, it is it is coupled with 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 faster tools. Yeah, I I on that I have a question for you, Al, because there's a there's a company in my local area that I'm. I'm not going to say the name of because I know a few local people listen and <laughs> yeah, um, but uh, they produce uh, signs and logos for for local businesses. Yeah, and I always know when that company has produced a sign or a logo for a local business. Yeah, because they use exactly the same font, exactly the same little motif on it. Yeah. every single one. So you end up with this, um, like about fifty different businesses. They've yeah. got exactly the same logo slapped on the side of their van. It's just the wording's different, and they might have changed the color around a little bit. But <laughs> it's depressing. And, yeah, and the, the, this stupid thing is that's the logo of the company as well. Like, yeah. so they they literally reproduce their logo. <laughs> yeah, this is what you can would expect. Yeah, but that's that's that that's that's the problem, and that's that's the echo chamber that is you know the design industry at the moment. We see it online. We see it with 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 makers and stuff on YouTube. One person makes something, the next person sees it and thinks that's what they need to make because that's popular. Yeah, and it's 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 just this this cyclical thing where no nothing's getting invented, nothing's getting created, nothing's being expressed. You know, the more connected we are as a world, as well, the worse that situation gets. Yeah, if somebody's isolated and is just using their own imagination with with that with you know less external influence. They're going to be more creative. They're going to be more experimenting because like the uh, Galapagos Islands. Yes, exactly. Or look at fucking Birds of Paradise. Yeah. Like, fucking come on. You know? All right, we're going to shift this to the animal podcast. Yeah, we've got animals at last. Yeah, exactly, Steve. That's an awesome point, like a, like analogy to, to yeah. creativity. I, I realize I've said this after saying that I've made a giant ice pick, which is <laughs> the most cliche thing you can do as a maker. You forge it, and that's what matters. Yeah. Yeah, but, just um... call it impossible ice pick. <laughs> Restoration, restoration, restoration. inspired, Rizzo. and like just let's watch the views rack up. <laughs> is honor's going to be in it as well? So, oh, perfect. Um, <laughs> you know, the, I I know the statement is is kind of the elephant in the room, but it's you know necessity is the mother of all invention, right? That's yeah. that's kind of what we're hinting at the whole time, uh, or at least the experimentation usually comes out of some type of necessity, right? Um, if you, if you get to be like, Al, I love, I love the analogy of like, or maybe not the analogy, but the idea that, uh, creativity and, and experimentation go hand in hand. That's really, really fantastic. I do think there is also that like kind of tertiary pressure or influence of necessity, right? So you got animals on the Galapagos islands that need to survive where there is nothingness and they're surrounded by water and there they are. Still they, they, also, they, also, they also have no natural predators, so they can just. I know it's they it's fantastic. Around. They're <laughs> just like, wait, I think I'm going to go for a swim today, and they're like, you can't swim. Like, I'll figure it out. Yeah, but my grandkids will. Yeah, <laughs> three generations from now, they'll have webbed toes. Have you ever seen sloth swim? It's yeah. so creepy, and they're faster in the water than they are on land. <laughs> oh God, so much sloth talk that we can have right now. <laughs> Luigi can ride a bike, so yes. bleh. Yeah. Um, but I, I love, I absolutely love the idea of experimentation to, to like out of necessity, right? Like yeah. I need a thing or I need to solve a problem or I need to find a solution to something, but with no hindrance, 
those are those are like the most ideal situations i feel like when i have to make something is you have no real restrictions on the final product we just needed to do this or we needed to be yeah. this thing other than that crack on like whatever you got to get to that thing is and i love those moments because there is that pressure like we talked about last episode there's the creative there's enough of like a constraint that i'm able to work inside of a little bit of a box or a skeleton but just allow me to make mistakes and i don't have to show them any of that stuff because they just want the final thing or the person or the company or the client but it's up to me to just experiment to get to whatever the final solution is and it's like oh you wanted a uh Six foot tall chicken made out of bronze. Well, I've never done any of that before, but watch me go. <laughs> yeah, because uh, there's there's two points I want to make uh, now, and both of them link into what you were saying. The first one is, is when you say about the fact that you know you, you have a um, a very broad goal, like you just need to get that one thing, and that's it. I when I used to do, I used to be a cocktail barman, and were you I, a doorman? Uh, this is before I was a doorman, okay. um, but used to get people coming in all the time. And there was a list of like 60 different cocktails that we did um, at the bar, but people would come in and be like, <laughs> rum and Coke, vodka yeah. and Coke, gin and Coke, spam, <laughs> spam, spam, gin and Coke. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is you, you'd get people coming in all the time and be like, I don't want anything off that, that list. I want you to make me something. I want you to make me something special, something for me, whatever. And, um, and it would always be like, every other bloke that's walked into this bar. Yeah, exactly. And th- the thing is, it was always a case of like, right, okay, well, what do you want? What specific, like, give me one goal to achieve with this. You, do you want something fruity? Do you want something spicy? Do you want something this? Do you want something that? I mean, it, it was everything from having uh, like the, the local rugby team coming in and going, we want you to make a cocktail that's going to make our fly half throw up to having someone else come in and be like, I want you to make a cocktail that contains milk and is bright pink. Right. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Do that. <laughs> Strawberry, milk and... milk. Strawberry milkshake. Yeah. <laughs> I'll beat you to it. Well uh, done. Um, yeah. But, but like just give, being given these, these most bizarre things and being able to use the, the knowledge that I had to, to know what works together, what doesn't, what can do this, what can produce that thing. And I think having that, um, that kind of background knowledge, is vital to be able to do good experiments because anyone can do an experiment, but if you don't have any experience or, or background knowledge in that area, then those experiments are going to be, the results of those experiments are going to be less, less successful. The experiments themselves are still going to be successful because you know, you're learning, you're, you're knowing, Oh, okay. So that doesn't work together. This doesn't work together, whatever. But one of the things I was going to ask you, Brett is obviously in your, what you do day to day, you do a lot of of one offs and unique pieces and and things that are, for all intents and purposes, experiments because there's something that hasn't been done before. You're not you're not working to a set pattern. You're getting a, like you say, a requirement and having to come up with it. Do you find that because you've got such a a varied skill set that you're able to um to kind of bring together techniques that wouldn't necessarily be thought of as being as being used together like you know you're going to forge something and then screen print on it or whatever like do you find that it's it's more of a hindrance or more of a um a a good thing to be able to have so much um experience to to draw on 
Yeah, I that is that is a funny question only for the sake of I feel like there would be certain people who would be like, it's too much. Like he needs less in his brain all the time. Yeah. Um and there are moments where it's definitely like, nope, you've thought too far or you're like way too far ahead, you know, pull it back, focus more, you know, next step thing. Yeah. Which is true. So much of the time it's it's like I've thought fifteen steps ahead because I really have this aspiration to do this thing and like experiment. But really I should start with just getting to step one, you know, or 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 focus on getting to step three before fifteen. Um but I do like the idea and and I, I know I keep throwing it back to Al and stuff, but I, I talked to so many chefs in my time in Las Vegas that food really ended up being uh, very influential in terms of somebody who grew up very picky about eating. And like, I, I really didn't like a lot of food, but it was because I was really being presented with a bunch of like non-experimental standardized blah food. It was all beige on the plate. It almost matched the color of the plate most of the time. Were you in Holland? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, so between my work history as well as, you know, my production work history, as well as things like my job history out in Vegas, um, interviewing a bunch of chefs and stuff, you realize that when you have the the broader skill sets and you're able to kind of bring little bits from here and there, it's the, it's the reason why certain chef... Um, there was a certain chef out in Vegas, and I'm failing to remember his name right now, but he was French Cajun, learned under Emeril Lagasse, but his dad, his dad was Puerto Rican. And so he had all of this amazing Puerto Rican influence on everything about his life, right? So he learned traditional French cooking or like French Cajun crossover cooking, but then brought all this amazing Puerto Rican vibe into everything so instead of just you know putting x y and z ingredients together and coming up with some french dish and then putting it on a plate he was like no in in puerto rico we we use you know these leaves or we do these or we have different you know mise en place than whatever restaurant x would be and so his flair that he would add not necessarily to the to the traditional dishes that he was making, it was everything else, right? So it's like when I'm talking about making the boxes, my other influences from my past always end up making me challenge myself to to go one step further. I, I could put six sides around a thing, call it a box, and be done with it. It's yeah. another thing entirely to go, well, I know that I could put my stamp on it that I made. Oh, that makes it look a little bit nicer because it ups the branding of it a little bit more. And it's it's a little bit more personal at that point. Or, yeah, I could silkscreen on top of a piece of sheet metal and then yeah. cover it in permalac because it, I know that it won't eat the ink underneath because the ink that we use is not soluble and blah, blah, blah. Those little ingredients are the same thing I look at from everything from cooked food ingredients to like the overall vibe of a restaurant you know you can walk into a place with barren walls and a couple of like fake grape leaves and they can go we're italian and you're like no and like everything has to have you know red sauce on it because we're the olive garden we're like unlimited breadsticks take all the butter and bread and shove it in your face there's there's something to be said about like 
taking all of the different aspects of just to use myself as an example, since you asked me, I will take things from the print shop years that I spent, you know, and go, Ooh, but if I'm going to send out a letter as a thank you to a patron, I want to brand it. I want to make it more personal. Ooh, I'll make a wax seal. Yeah. Like that was, that was putting two worlds together. Right. It was like, yeah. Let's do piratey things. I like the idea of a wax seal, but really the baseline of that was when we used to work at the print shop, we got a rubber stamp made and just putting a rubber stamp of our logo on the middle of a piece of packing paper when we shipped out posters, yeah. took it from eh, like all the ingredients lined up and here's your dish. And you're like, cool. I got my posters delivered in brown packing paper. Stamp goes on it and you go, oh. Yeah. Ooh, like it's so, so much it's special. Yes. So I, I know I'm kind of like ranting and dancing around a little bit of your directed question, but yes, at the end of the day, I love the idea that I can experiment with steel in the forge as if I was doing something, you know, in the print shop where like those worlds shouldn't really mesh together, but I find moments of experimentation or moments of creative inspiration to go i wonder if and i love that you know i wonder if i could bleh. and whatever that is is usually bringing those worlds together and i i love combining those ingredients from like the different past so that i can experiment yeah no that's awesome man. that was that was an absolutely perfect answer as well um oh thanks we'll <laughs> Uh, Al, I yes. wanted to ask you something as well, because me and Brett, or Brett and I, sorry, uh, both Brett and, me. Brett and me, uh, both have other people in the workshop that we can, we can kind of bounce off when we're having, when we're experimenting. And, um, you know, we've, we've got people in the workshop and, and in the immediate area that we can kind of go, I'm thinking about doing this, or what about, do you think about this? And, and kind of bounce those ideas around your in the workshop on your own a lot more. Do you think that's that's better or worse? Do you... No, he's got Bruce. <laughs> he's got... Because <laughs> I, I know that you don't, like when you've got an idea in your head, you like to just kind of put your head down and get on with it. But yeah. do, you, do you find that, do you ever ask other people for input? Like say say you've got an idea in your head, but you can't quite figure something out. Do you, do you often uh, message other people or, or phone anyone up or anything like that? Or do you just go, Nope, I'm going to figure all this out on my own because I'm out. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I'm out. I'm, and I'm out. Um, I've never really thought about it that way, but I get the impression that experimenting is a personal thing. Yeah. Like, if there's two people discussing something and deciding something, it's a committee, and you're problem-solving, and you're kind of, you know, you're, you're trying to get to a solution, that doesn't really feel like experimenting. Yeah, I don't know why. I've never thought about that before, but for me, experimenting is a, is a one man band. Like okay. if 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 there's two people doing something that they've never done before, like which one is actually doing it? They've both never done it, and whose decision was it? They can't they can't both have simultaneously had the same decision to yeah. do something they've never done before? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I, they can't both be experimenting. Yeah, sorry, I, I was talking more along the lines of like if I've say I'm in uh, in the forge and I've I've got an idea and I'm like, actually, I want to try this. I want to, I want to play around with that. Yeah. If I'm, if I want to get to like, say I'm on step three of 30 yeah. and it's like, actually shit, I don't know how to get to step four. Yeah. I've got those other people that I can kind of go, 
So I'm trying to do this, but I'm not sure how I get to there. Help. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like I love that. And that's why I love being part of this nonsense because that that's available. I mean, I, today I asked you, I was like, yeah, I've got a router. How am I going to cut a, a, a channel in some, some 2B3s? Yeah. And I haven't got a table saw, so I can't run them over something. It was like, uh, okay, so how do I go about it? So absolutely, I love that. Um, but yeah, I, I I think the second you do that, it's not experiment anymore. That's like, I, I need a solution. Yeah. The experimenting bit is the unknown. It's the um, to boldly go. It's that kind of, I don't know what's going to happen. That's why it's an experiment. I don't know. You know, I I I loved science as a kid, um, but I hated the structure of it. I hated having to write down a hypothesis and write down your method yeah. and write down your findings and write, you know, we talked about this last week. Like, I don't, I don't want to show you how I got to the answer. I'm just, it just came to me. Like yeah. I, I, the, the whole, that whole side of experimentation, it makes it not be an experiment to me because it's just, this is what we already know and we want you to do it too. Yeah. You know, that's not an experiment. That's just, that, that's sitting in a classroom and just repeating Latin back to somebody who's shouting Latin at you. Yeah, true, true experimentation is I don't fucking know what's going to happen and that's why it's exciting and that's why something interesting might come out of it potentially you know might blow myself off I might um, make this bread go mouldy and invent a fucking penicillin that's going to save <laughs> millions of lives because I don't know and, and it, you know it can be accidental there's a naivety to it which, which goes again goes hand in hand with creativity um, yeah I think I in answer to your question, yes, I love asking people when I'm stuck, but it's not it. It kills the experiment. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Because I mean, let's like say I, for, from my point of view, I, I, I guess I'm thinking of experimenting in in terms of um, of trying to get to an end goal or trying to like I've I've got a vague idea of where I want to end up and I'm trying to get there. Whereas I guess you're talking more about just i don't i have no idea what's going to happen here but i'm going to i'm going to try bashing these two rocks together and seeing what happens and <laughs> making fire sort of thing yeah. i have made fire no but i mean <laughs> there's, there's there's two scales again back to yeah these cows are small um the there's the experiment on a tiny scale which is the bashing of the two rocks and then there's there's large scale experiments you know social experiments and, and and experiments within companies and brands and and people trying to achieve things and you know um I think uh, Elon Musk's whole life is an experiment. Yeah, you know he's doing it in a very sort of um, capitalist way, and he's 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 going about it through through the the avenues and the channels that he knows and is able to make money from. But it he's still experimenting. You know, Tesla might be a 10, 15, 20 year experiment. Yeah, and then he'll move on to the next thing, and then he'll move on to the next thing. Kind of you know, Branson's the same. Um, so. I totally see the both sides of it. And I see that one side may involve lots of other people and may involve a little bit more structure, but you know, yeah. me, I'm the one that just wants to get it done in, in, in a day and yeah. and, and see what happens for a laugh. Cause it's funny, you know, and then I can move on. Yeah. You know, then I'm not precious. I'm, I'm not precious about anything. Like I can, I can happily let things go because I know the next experiments around the corner. Yeah. So I guess, I guess then I'm probably, I'm probably looking at it more at, I'm I'm thinking of development as opposed like product development as opposed to true experimentation where it's the, yeah. it, it it's boundless it's rawless there's no there's no end goal in mind it's just I want to heat this metal up and hit it and see what happens yeah 
Like, I, mean, I, I think I think I talked about it a couple of, couple of episodes ago. There's um, when I worked in in the Netherlands. Obviously, Philips, the brand, is is from from Eindhoven in the Netherlands, and, and they they're kind of um, well, that city actually is 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 synonymous with with development and design and creativity. The, the the arts university in Eindhoven is absolutely amazing. I used to go there for the for the show every year, and the stuff that people were making, you know, product design and furniture and stuff, was just unbelievable. It was really creative. Um, and I had a I had a friend who worked for Philips, and his job was just to experiment. You know, they had an entire department to just yeah. make things that you know were not on a time frame. They weren't, you know, obviously there was a time frame and there was a budget, yeah. but it was basically you know go away and think about different ways that we can solve energy crises. And it it was back to your point, Steve, about um, dedicating time to be creative and, and to experiment. Yeah. It's a valid part of growing and 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 not enough people and not enough places, companies, people, institutions do that. Yeah. Um, but that always impressed me. And since since we started talking about this, that that one example has been sort of in the back of my head. Like, yeah, that that little sort of room in Philips where yeah. you know it's it's the Hagen Dazs flavor experiment room. Yeah, you know, yes, it's a massive company that that produ- produces ice cream on a fucking industrial scale. But there's one room. Where a bunch of guys are putting flavors together and all day, and they're just testing stuff and yeah. seeing if, if this goes with that, or you know, what yeah. what what could work, what couldn't work. You know, I remember Izzy talking about his mayonnaise and peanut butter and pickle sandwich. Oh, God, yeah. Someone had to try that. You know, to your point, Brett, they might have gone, oh, you know what? It's got salty, it's got sweet, it's got crunchy, it's got tangy. You know, I know my flavor profiles. This might actually be fucking delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could have also just been someone. It was stoned or really hungry or that's all they had in the fridge. And it yeah. was like, oh, actually, you know what? This is pretty delicious. I'm going to tell my friends and they're all going to throw up. Yeah. But it took, it, you know, it took that that little sort of instantaneous madness or eclectic or, you yeah. know, call it creativity if you want. But Yeah, because I guess there's, there's like, to my mind, I, I was just thinking of um, going back to what you were saying earlier. I was thinking like, I, I guess for me, experimenting would be going, there's a technique that I've never tried before. I want to, I want to play with that. Like any kind of woodwork or whatever. Like I haven't got an end goal in mind. I'm not building a box or putting a shelf up or doing whatever. I just, I want to try dovetails. So I'm just going to cut a shitload of dovetails and see if they fit together. And then kind of, if I want to make something from that, build on it from there, like that, that's kind of the experiment. And then there's just the, the, fucking about and just <laughs> kind of like the 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 childlike i don't know what i'm doing i'm just dicking around and i think that's that's kind of a, a like you say that that's the the true experiment that's the the truer um way of doing it like having that that childlike naivety of of not even knowing that it's a technique it's just i'm going to do this thing and see what happens no, that, that, there's a there's a great there's a great example of that um, at the blacksmith class. Like we we Rory's fantastic teacher. You know, people went away from that 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 first class with with like nothing but you know admiration and newfound skills and you know understanding and stuff. And, and Rory was fantastic at that. Um, and we all kind of helped and and followed in this kind of quite regimental. Um, this is how you create this. This is the next step. This is how you get to this. You know, here's some illustrations of how you do this. 
and it was all a really great way of understanding things. Now, I didn't get much anvil time. Um, I, that's not why I was there. I was there. I was there to help you guys. Um, but when I did, like, I kind of, because I knew I wouldn't be back on an anvil for a long time. I didn't use that time to make something or um, do any of the techniques that we we did. I I just used that time to actually just exactly as you say, Steve. I had nothing in mind. I had no goal. I wasn't trying to create anything. It wasn't like when Jim gets on it and he tries to make some art, you know, and tries different techniques to get to get to an end product. I was literally just like, right, what happens if I hit it this way? What happens if I then reverse it? What happens if it's hotter than it was in the last time? What happens if it's colder than it was the last time? What yeah. happens if I use this bit of hammer, that bit of hammer, bigger hammer, smaller hammer? And I, w- I was... MC Hammer. I've used <laughs> MC Hammer with my parachute pants. Like, I wasn't trying to get anywhere. Yeah. You know, I think if you if, if there's a goal, it can sort of hinder you. It can add yeah. stress. It can add sort of constraints. And I was literally... There was there was nothing coming out of it. I was just had a, a rod and it was bent and it was... Yeah. Uh, I was I was doing some of the stuff that we learned, but I wasn't yeah. trying to get I wasn't trying to get to an end product. I was literally just experimenting. And the the thing is, is that because that's um, that like you could have got the answer to all of those questions yeah. simply by asking someone else. But yeah, you had to do it yourself. You had to do that experiment to be able yeah. to to understand it properly. And um, and that's why one of the things that we do uh, like for the beginners classes now, yeah, we just say to people, just go, just. Heat a bit of metal up and hit it. Don't try and do anything. Just heat it up, hit it, see what happens. Yeah. I mean, that, well, that's literally what happened. So, uh, you know, I went to ask Rory about how to twist the metal. You know, Brett, when you helped me make the handle for the um, for the cricket bat. But sort of prior to that, I'd done it my own, how I thought it would work. So if I'd have asked Rory how to do it, I would have just ended up there, but I did something completely different based on just me experimenting. And then Rory came over and he saw me doing it. He's like, oh, I've never thought to do it that way. And I've never done it that way before. Yeah. And it ended up with a completely different twist. And he was like, I've never seen that twist before. Right. So for me being sort of ignorant and and, and naive um, and, you know, not just going off on my own way and doing my own thing, it ended up with something slightly different. It's like, not new. I'm sure someone else has twisted fucking metal before that way before, but it was, it wouldn't have happened if I'd have just done what I'd asked Rory to do. Right. And you still, you know, even goal in mind, aside from what you were just saying, like yeah. at that point you did have a little bit of a goal, but it was still about like whatever it takes to get there. Absolutely. You know, cool. kind of- like along the way, I would have happily changed that goal. Yeah. If the yeah, other way, if, if that other twist had turned out, you know, if it's a bit thicker, actually, that would have been sick. It just happened to be a little bit too thin, so so we went back to the to, to the way that we did it, Brett. But you know, I, I then have two different ways of doing something, merely because you know I don't pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like okay. So I have to bring up because of science and experimentation and everything like that. I, I'm sure you guys are similar to me but i love tesla i think he was just a you know an absolute mad genius um and i had to look up the quotes kind of while you guys were discussing things but there's two quotes that i always liked from tesla it was bowie's face be alone that is the secret of invention be alone that's when ideas are born no i lost it halfway through also david bowie doesn't sound like this horrible um so yeah tesla said be alone that's the secret of invention 
be alone. That's when ideas are born, right? I, I think being in your own space and like Al was saying 20 minutes ago, um, you know, when you have somebody else there, you're not really experimenting because then it's a committee. I, I, I think that holds a lot of weight with the like, if you want to experiment like Al did uh, in that story, it was very much just like, I, I need to sort this out myself, right? Or I need to kind of experiment to keep banging on the word um, to get to a point where then maybe you could ask some questions or, or like Steve was even saying, where you can consult a couple other people just to get to, uh, all right, now that I've experimented, I know what I want to achieve. Right. So I like the idea of being alone and being in your thoughts when you're in experimentation mode and then opening that up a little bit more to a committee or a handful of your friends just to help with Mm -hmm. those little solutions. But at least you've done the experimentation at the beginning because that helps you develop your hypothesis and, and like the process that you want to take to achieve the final goal. Um, another thing that he said that always stuck with me, uh, and again, I had to look it up, but uh, it says, the scientists of today think deeply instead of clearly. One must be sane to think clearly, but one can think deeply and be quite insane. <laughs> so... I know it's like a bunch of back and forth on the words, but um, I like Alan, less than half of you, half as well as you deserve. <laughs> I know half and less of. I have to go now. Um, but Al, you're nuts. So when when it comes to clear thinking, um, and and Steve, feel free to jump on this too. When when you're trying to think very clearly it seems like there is less experimentation there, right? When you have that clear set goal, I know I do step one, two, three, and I end on the final product of four. Do you feel like, you know, we're harking back on the the experimentation with creativity and everything like that, but it's almost like when you're in those really lightning bolt and tornado of ideas moment, does that feel like you're doing your best experimentation when you're, when your brain is just firing on all cylinders or do you feel like you actually need a bit of clarity before you can really start experimenting? What's the, um, what's the method of writing where you just kind of like, don't think and just let it all like spill out on the page. Oh golly. I didn't know there was a term for that. Free oh, writing. Yeah. Free writing. Yeah. Is See, that really what it's called? <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Um, all right. I just threw that out. I think it is anyway. That's what's in my head. Tool rest. Um, it's a tool. There's a thing you call. <laughs> what's those tables called that you put your coffee on? Um, they. I always kind of call bullshit on that free writing thing. I was like, well, that sounds like nonsense. Like, how uh, how can you write yeah. when not look at the page and not think about what you're writing? It's, it's just bullshit. It just sounded like bullshit that sort of writers came up with to make themselves sound clever. Um, but that is essentially what I'm doing when I'm in the workshop. Like under no, under no circumstances am I like planning something like yes with 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 a t-shirt cannon I've got to work out the, the PSIs of stuff and and measure things and make sure the seals are right but when it comes to the creative stuff and the build I, I'm literally just like there's a switch and it just switches and then I'm just like I'm just freestyling and I'm just uh, I'm just reaching for things almost like not thinking like will this tool work don't care it looks sharp but it's gonna I'm gonna go for it. If it doesn't work, I'll throw it on the floor and I'll grab the next tool. And, I'm, I'm literally, and literally, like, if I ever did, like, a, a, a switch, or whatever it's called, of the hack shack, it, it would just be madness. Um, but that's why Jesus invented editing. But, like, if, 
I, I, I literally I believe it was Al Gore. Oh, sorry, it was Al Gore. Yeah, yeah. I'm super serial. The um, the, yeah, I, I, I am just completely like freestyling, uh, experimenting for me. Like you can't put too much thought process into it. I got to see a bit of that with the when I was in the hack shack with you. Yeah, I was like, right. What do you want to do? Uh, this thing, right? I've got that. <laughs> and then I'd look over, and you'd just be like screwing stuff into walls, and just whatever tool would get you there. And then when you were hanging everything, it was like. Of course, in my head, I'm like, oh, but if you hung all of your saws right there, then it would just be the saw section. And you're just like, no, it doesn't matter. You know. But it wouldn't be fun, though, would it, Brett? No, no. It all laid out like dude, Laura's tool wall. It just wouldn't be fun. All right, be beautiful. Easy, because I, be messaged, I messaged be Laura about how much I like that tool also. Of course. <laughs> I think she put like a screwdriver but, rack up, and I was just so tempted to just like post my screwdriver rack and tag her in it, which is just <laughs> – it's just – Section of two by four with holes drilled at random angles. They're not even along the top. There's like some going in from the side. There's some going in all different, and they're all completely the wrong size for every but screwdriver. It, but that's, that's me. Yeah, but that that is the personality of it, right? <laughs> yeah. You're experimenting and doing the things that get you to whatever solution you're looking for. Right. I want to put my screwdrivers on the wall. Doesn't matter if they're. I don't. I want to put them on the floor. But you made me put things on the wall. So now my screwdrivers are on the wall. <laughs> I'll call that a social experiment of can I increase Al's possible workflow by putting things not on the floor? <laughs> I tried and Sophie helped and we tried and I have no idea if that got you anywhere, but at the end of the day, it was an experiment to see how it would go. <laughs> but I think that's one of the things though is like your, um, your surroundings can have a huge impact on how, creative and 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 how much you uh you experiment it's like i i remember um when we when we came over for the blacksmithing thing uh you pre-warned me about uh jimmy's machine shop you were like you're gonna walk in there you're gonna hate it there's like a, a one foot wide path around the whole thing that you can walk around and everything else is just it's just crap everywhere and uh and i walked in there and was like no no, this this to me is perfect. This is how I like it. Oh There's man, random shit all over the place. That that is how I get creative because, like Al says, then you you don't go. Oh, I need to use that specific thing. That's I know where it is. It's in that drawer. You just go, fuck. I need I need to cut this. How do I cut this? Uh, there's a machete. That'll do. Like it. It's or or fuck it. Then there's a uh, a belt sander. I'm just going to sand it in half. Right. But um, I I yeah. like. Look, look, not to start an entire other line of reasoning, but <laughs> I was just about Yeah. Go, go, carry on. <laughs> but I I love that I've gotten I, I've had the opportunity to see uh so many different workshops and so many people's yeah. different environments that they work in, right? Between Al building out the hack shack and being able to actually set foot in there. And then, you know, I like to think that I maybe helped a little bit. Really, it was just cleaning. And just putting some stuff up on some tables. Every bit of that is Al's personality and his work dynamic and the environment that he's bred for himself. Steve, the forge, your personal forge. You remember I tried to sweep the floor for you. (laughs) There's a floor? There's a floor (laughs) underneath that. And, you know, I've been out to Joshua Tree. I saw, you know, Ben and Mike and Jess and how their whole tool situation is done. Of course, I'm, I'm with Jimmy and I've, I've gotten to meet a few other people and seen how their work environments are. And there's definitely like, it's, it's just whatever works for you, right? Whatever increases that 
efficiency versus creativity versus whatever the hell your environment wants to be. And we've talked too much about it on past episodes about creating a good work environment and like making a workbench and all that. But it's one of the most invigorating things is seeing somebody's workspace and and it it kind of like proves proves out some things for you, right? Laura sat here and interviewed me. That's coming up sometime soon. Um, Laura did an interview with me and she was sitting behind my workbench. And one of the first things she said is like, I didn't get it until now. <laughs> Brilliant. Because <laughs> she was like, I didn't understand the pirate thing at all. But she goes, it makes so much more sense to me now. And I can see how all your tools are. And she was looking through my tool chest and, and how everything was hanging. And she was like, this makes a lot of sense. This makes a lot more sense. It's also a lot more organized than the rest of the shop. I was like, <laughs> um, so as experimentation goes, this is what works for me. Al's got what works for him. I think ideally at the end of the day, we would all just have our like beakers and Erlenmeyer flasks at the ready, you know, to boil bleach into mustard gas or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> we just want our tools so that we can experiment. Yeah. I don't care if I have a festool sander. I just yeah. want to make stuff. But that's the thing is everyone, everyone has an environment that is, or everyone has an ideal environment. And, and when they find that ideal environment that allows them to be creative, to experiment and to do all those things that they want to do, that is fucking spiffing. Uh, so this week I'm going to go first and I am going to, uh, I'm going to spiff someone that we've already spiffed, or sorry, someone that I've already spiffed before. Uh, and that's a fine press. Um, I'm spiffing them or him because they make a good impression. They make a good impression. That was a callback and a printing joke. Yeah. That was very good. Uh, actually I was going to say, yeah, uh, uh, what was it? Yes, I was going to say, <laughs> fucking, you're such a. Um, because they Is do. Is that C bomb on Phil's no. All right. No, it wasn't. Uh, what was I saying? A fine uh, press because they do. A fine press because they do lots of experimenting with different types of things. Um, and they kind of. Well, I keep saying they. He kind of uh, goes by the attitude of if you're going to do something, do it fucking well do something weird do something wacky do something unusual if you just do the same mundane thing that everybody else does then you're not going to get noticed um so i think he would appreciate the whole experiment and be wild and wacky and i'll like ethos of this uh, episode uh brett you're next me but why uh, no, the, the other brett because al said because spa why? Because it's SBA, but it's a, it's a single best answer. But what, uh, okay, uh, so yes, um, my experimenter uh, spiffing is Junie, Junie Genius. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. if there's anybody that is absolutely experimenting with what it means to make videos for YouTube and how to edit them and what to <laughs> add, <laughs> to be said, I've seen like. I've seen like a thousand bread screaming robots now. So like, <laughs> I don't think he classes experimentation anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, 
Um, she's doing a great job of just like absolutely just taking a crack at whatever the hell she's doing in terms of the video production and the robots that she's making in them. She's a total nut job and <laughs> it's hilarious. And yes, talk about talk about people just going their own way about things. I think she's doing a very good job of experimenting and figuring out um, what works for her. It seems to be entertaining a lot of people and she's really, she's, she's gained a lot of subscribers relatively. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think the, the whole channel was, is an experiment, you know, 100%. One, but at, at, at first, like we were all kind of like, why has she not got millions of subscribers? <laughs> but like as you say, it's working and, and yeah. she's, she's absolutely skyrocketing. And so it's an experiment that's working. Yeah. yeah. No, definitely. Uh, good shout. Uh, I've been, Brett's been. Who's left? Me! Bruce. Bruce. Um, oh, yes. All right, Bruce. Classic Steve fashion. It's going to be a re-spiff. Ooh. Can I get a re-spiff? It's going to be <laughs> Alex 2Q. Yay! Mainly because I think he's 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 in he's in the middle of, of, of everything that we've discussed. You know, yeah. he's a German. So by trade, he he likes things to be precise and engineered, and he's a very good teacher, and he knows the rules, and he knows um, the proper way to go about things. But if you look at the things he makes, he's constantly experimenting. He's experimenting with yeah. materials, with shapes, with fixtures and fastenings, um, and it's a fantastic combination of the two. You know, I'd, I'd like to have a little bit of his knowledge and understanding to go with my experimentation side. Um, yeah. And I'm sure, you know, the opposite as well i think you know there's people that are fantastically precise but maybe need some of the the, the wackiness that you, that you just mentioned brett um so he's a really good balance for me of, of, yeah. of a little bit of both so yeah. alex tq alex wall yeah go check him out there you yeah. go um yeah and to be perfectly honest there's been quite a few things that he's put up that i've looked at and gone i never would have thought of that that's genius yeah. and yeah it's a good, good person all around, spiffy guy. Uh, cool. Is there any other business? Um, yeah, I just want to go back to the uh, the the guys over at Makes International who are actually recording now as we speak. Um, uh, they've they've got a t-shirt campaign um, in a similar vein to a couple they've done in the past, where all the proceeds are going towards back into the making community. Um, you know the guys don't have Patreon or anything like that. They just they're just constantly kind of trying to perpetuate this fantastic environment that we're in. Um, so go check it out. It's a really funny T-shirt. It's celebrating the new guys. Uh, Steve, the, the the fake Steve is on there um, as <laughs> as the fourth the fourth member now. So they're, they're they're able to do something that they've been wanting to do for a while, um, and, it, and it fits the, their kind of their, their, their style perfectly. So go check it out. And and having seen it, it's. Absolutely genius. And, <laughs> um, cool. Brett, do you have any a- AOB before I... No? Okay, he's shaking his head. Uh, I have two bits of AOB. Uh, the first one kind of ties quite nicely into our whole experimenty bit, um, which was... Like kind of. Uh, it's, it's pretty experimental. Um, uh, a while ago, I heard about a, a guy, a company that was like growing furniture um and sounded really cool really interesting when i saw it it didn't really look like it was going to work um but they carried on with the experiment and uh mano mano 
um are doing their uh video series the um thing that i can't remember the name of like the great british making or something um making of oh, i don't fucking know <laughs> anyway making I like it to making of yeah um their uh, latest one is of uh of these guys that are doing the like growing the furniture um and it's absolutely fascinating it was a really really good watch um you go and follow the guys that are actually doing it um they've got some wonderful stuff out there and it's just it was really interesting really unusual way of doing things and yeah i just think that's worth checking out the other bit of aob is entirely selfish um because our our classes for the year are now live on the website so if you go visit alex's website which is www.alexpoleironwork.com uh you can have a look at the course dates there and book and all that lovely stuff uh and that's it so uh you can find all of us on all the usual social medias you can find me at moonshine metalworks you can find brett at skull and spade 13 and you can find al at al's hack shack there we go uh and if you want to get hold of us as a group you can find us on www.fwtpodcast.com www.steve i know but it just it just it sounds better than just going http colon oblique oblique www dot what the hell is an oblique i have them on my tummy (laughs) what what uh, yeah, no, it just it sounds easier than saying But yeah. <laughs> Did you not know that? Even I knew that. Uh, oh, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're also on Facebook, uh the Fools of Tools Facebook group. It's great. There's people on there and stuff. Andy Berkey's in it. Um Berkey's in it. Berkey. Yeah. That's enough of a reason. Exactly. Um Yeah. I think I think I think that's it. Have I forgotten anything? No. Go forth and experiment. Exactly. Go go do those things. Uh, yeah. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye. This thing can shoot the fleas of a dog's back at four hundred yards, Tannen. Touch. No, it's exposed. like homeopathy, and it will have the memory of aubergine yeah. forever. <laughs>